Welcome to the Word of God with Father Reed Henserling at All Saints Episcopal Church. Now, we have a very unique recording today because we're going to be looking at two weeks in the Christmas season and also in Epiphany, which we'll talk about Epiphany uh, in, a, in a month or so. There is a place in the daily lectionary where you have to actually do two weeks instead of one week. Normally, it's every week. But in this particular situation, it's two weeks. We're going to be looking at the second Sunday after Christmas in January 2nd, 3rd, 4th, 5th, and the eve of Epiphany. And then we're going to look at Epiphany in January 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, and 12. And when I get with you in a couple more weeks, then we'll be back on track with the week of one Epiphany, which turns out to be the baptism of Jesus. Okay? We, we look at the baptism of Jesus there. But from the end of uh, December, which we looked at last week, now we're looking at the 1st of January. So I'm going to cover two weeks in our, about our 20, 18 to 25-minute slot. I won't, I won't go 40 minutes to make up two weeks, but I will go through it fairly quickly. Uh, so uh, I hope that you will understand that. Now, when you look at the text that we have, again, they're very eclectic. We have, in January 2nd, for example, we have Genesis 12, which is the calling of Israel, where God says to Abram, I'm going to make you a great nation. In fact, let's look at that real quickly right now. This is a text that's very important in the Bible, and one you might want to know or highlight, and that is the call of Abram. Now, remember Adam and Eve had sinned against God in Genesis chapter 3, and Cain slew Abel in Genesis chapter 4. And then we had the floods... In Genesis 6, 7, 8, I believe it is, 9, with Noah. And then we had some, the Tower of Babel in chapter 11. So humanity was just crashing. And he had already destroyed most everyone outside, destroyed everyone outside the ark. But now we've got to figure out how we're going to save the world. Well, the only way we're going to save the world is we've got to have a person to save the world. But that individual is going to have to come into a people. It's going to, have to be part of a people. Well, who's, that, who's going to get chosen? Well, Abram got chosen. And he makes this profound promise in chapter 12, verse 1, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make you a great nation. Now, this is just a wandering guy in the desert who's really of no great significance. But God calls him, places his hand on him, guides him, and the rest is history, as we say, from Genesis 12 on. I will bless you. I will make your name great. You will be a blessing. Verse 2. I will bless those who bless you. And in him and him who dishonors you, verse 3, I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram did as the Lord said. And so we find that great scripture in Genesis chapter 2. And then in Genesis chapter 3. I mean, in uh, Genesis chapter 28, on January the 3rd, we have Genesis 28, another important scripture. Genesis 28, now we're at the beginning of a new year, okay? We're beginning of the new year, and so you want to have that in your back of your mind as you're going through the scriptures. So we're starting over again, Genesis chapter 12. This is the beginning. Genesis 28, 10 through 12 is about Jacob's dream, okay? Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Okay, and then we have on January 4th, he goes all the way to the Exodus in Exodus chapter 3. So we 
we've jumped a lot of folks to get to Exodus chapter 3, but you remember that situation where Moses is raised up, much like Abram was. The people are in bondage. They've been in Israel. They were doing well in the land of Goshen for a while, and then everything went south. Ramses came along and subjected them to slavery. Now we have to have a situation where God meets Moses. Moses is going to be the one that's going to save them, and that's the famous burning bush incident in Genesis chapter 3, 1 through 12. Again, very good scripture to know. In Joshua chapter 1, which is on January the 5th, we have Joshua's entry into the scriptures in such a way that he is now going to be the leader. So we've gone from Abraham, Isaac, Jacob in 28, and then we have Joseph in this, the end of Genesis, and then we have Exodus, we have the slavery, we have Moses leading them out, and then Moses leads them out, and then Joshua is going to take them into the promised land, and he is going to be the warrior for them. So again, a beautiful um, scripture there. On the eve of Epiphany, we're looking at Isaiah 66, and again, if you listen to last week's teaching, I said that Isaiah has 66 chapters, and we are at the end of time here. Isaiah 66, 18 to 23. In 18 to 23, and um, we're talking about the end of time and what God is going to be doing. He says in verse 22, For as the new heavens and the new earth that I make shall remain before me, so shall your offspring and your name remain. Okay? In verse 23, the second half of it, all flesh shall come to worship before me, declares the Lord. All right, so we're looking at the end of time. We're looking at what God is ultimately going to do in Isaiah 66. Let's go to the next week on the epiphany and following. And where we are here is now we're following Isaiah. So we've got Isaiah 52, Isaiah 59, Isaiah 63, Isaiah 65, and Isaiah 66 through, for that week. Okay, so he's going at the end of Isaiah, some prophetic words about the end times, about what God is doing at the end, how he's dealing with nations, how he's dealing with individuals. So Isaiah is long. It's 66 chapters, as I've said repeatedly, but you want to read it slowly and hear what is God saying to me that's unique. So people are used to reading gospels and epistles, but when you read the Old Testament prophets, which can get a little bit boring sometimes, you want to kind of stay awake because they will be talking to you personally if you can hang in there with them and, and, and read them. So I hope that you enjoy those two weeks of reading in Isaiah. Now, in the New Testament work, we're looking at Hebrews chapter 11 for most of that first week. Hebrews chapter 11. Now, Hebrews is 13 chapters, and in the 11th chapter, again, is very famous because it's the faith chapter. It chronicles the people that have walked by faith. So, as we begin our new year together, we are thanking God for those people that have adhered to the faith, that have lived out the faith, and he talks about each of these people. Let's look at verse uh, 8, for example. He says, by faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go to a place that was to receive an inheritance, and he went out, not knowing where he was going. Remember, I just told you, Abraham had no idea what he was doing, but by faith, he went out there and did it. Thank God that he did. We wouldn't be where we are now without Abraham. By faith, verse 9, he went to live in the land of promises in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, his heirs of the same promise. Remember, I just mentioned Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. 
Okay? So by faith, those people walked in such a way that the nation of Israel was born, which would give prominence to the Messiah later coming, which was Jesus, right? Now, the reason this is a good series of scriptures for the beginning of the year is you want to walk by faith this year. You want to walk by faith. You want to grow in your faith. You want to live out your faith. And I won't read all this to you, of course. He talks about Moses in verse 23. He talks about what Moses did in verse 23 following. He lists him. 32 to 12 2. He talks about David and he talks about Samuel. He talks about what people went through in the Old Testament that make ready the coming of the Messiah and thereafter. So we remember those that have gone before us and we remember how significant they are in impacting our lives. Finally, at the end of that week, we're looking at um, chapter 12, verse 2. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. So we're ultimately getting to Jesus, who, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. All right? So we've started in Genesis, and we worked all the way through Isaiah 66 in the end time. Then we came back again, and we're looking at those figures in Hebrews. So what you want to be able to do, ultimately, is tie all this stuff together. Okay? That's why in your reading through the lectionary, the daily lectionary, on a regular basis, uh, you want to get a good feel in your mind and a good understanding in your mind how all this fits. That's ultimately what you would want to accomplish. All right, let's look at this second week. As I've said at the beginning, uh, we are looking at two weeks. We are looking at two weeks in one lesson. All right, we're back to... Revelation. Remember, we talked about Revelation last week. We're continuing to look at Revelation 2 and Revelation 3. Now, in Revelation 2 and 3, <clears throat> we are looking at the angels to the angel of the church in Ephesus. Right. We're looking at the letters to seven churches. Okay. Chapter 2 of Revelation. We are looking at the letter to the angel of the church in Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, and Philadelphia. And what he's doing is he is warning them, he's encouraging them, he is responding to them in terms of what they're doing or what they're not doing or what they should be doing. All right? So they're getting a message from the Lord. And the Lord is sharing with them in Revelation 2 and 3, very famous chapters about uh, God speaking to them. And <clears throat> you'll want to think about and pray about what God may be saying to you regarding those things. That may not be word for word, and some of those things may apply to you and they may not. For example, to the angel of the church in Smyrna write, this is verse 8 of chapter 2, the words of the first and the last who died and came to life. So he's talking about Jesus. I know your tribulation. I is Jesus. Now, the, can you imagine reading a letter that Jesus is speaking you, to you directly? So it's that kind of personal effect upon you. Theratira, to the angel of the church in Theratira, verse 18, the words of the Son of God, who has eyes like a flame of fire and whose feet are like burnished bronze. 
So a great description of Jesus post-resurrection, which is wonderful. Eyes like flames of fire. He says, the words of the Son of God. Remember the Son of God idea in uh, Christmas time when we read um, in chapter 1 of uh, Luke, where 26 to 38, the angel Gabriel comes and said, you will call him the Son of God. So again, you're tying all this wonderful information that we've been studying together. But look at verse 21. I gave her time to repent, but she refuses to repent of her sexual immorality. So there's some serious problems. God warns them. They don't repent. Behold, I will throw her onto a sickbed, and those who commit adultery with her, I will throw into great tribulation unless they repent of her works. Now, obviously, we don't have time, but what you'd want to do is tie in the idea of repentance that's very significant in the Old Testament, tie in what Jesus said about repentance, what the epistles said about repentance, and in the final work, the book of Revelation, the 66th book of the Bible, how important repentance is in chapters 2 and 3. And so that would be a very, very poignant um, uh, learning and a very poignant in terms of its theology and its depth and stuff that we need to know. Look at this in chapter 3, verse 1. I know your works. You have the reputation of being alive, but you are dead. Again, can you imagine Jesus saying that to you? I know your works. I know you're alive, but you're dead. Wake up. Strengthen what remains and is about to die. Wake up. Now, again, the key to your Bible reading is understanding the context of what's going on at the time. This is why reading a Bible that has study notes at the bottom is good. But then thinking on praying about what is God saying to you personally? He might be saying to you, wake up. He might be saying to you, I know your works, your love and your faith and your service and that your latter works exceed the first. He might be saying, you're, you're dead. You have a reputation of being alive, but you're dead. He might give you a compliment. And at the end of each of these, he says, he who has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. So God is speaking to them in Revelation 2 and 3 and is encouraging them to listen to what the Holy Spirit says. Again, one of the things you want to do when you're reading the Bible is, what is God saying to me? Now, in these two weeks, which basically extend from the second Sunday after Christmas, January 2nd, through the eve of Epiphany, which is January the 5th, which is eve of Epiphany, but it actually goes to January the 12th, we're going to be looking at John's Gospel again. We did last week on Christmas Day and following. We're back to John's Gospel. And so, again, eclectic, not in sequential order. So let's list a couple of them for you. John chapter 6 which is the famous chapter about the bread of life. Very famous chapter, very long chapter about the bread of life. Okay, who's the bread of life? Jesus is the bread of life. And then he talks about the significance of the bread of life. And he'll do that on the second Sunday after Christmas and January the 2nd. Then on January the 3rd, he goes and he talks about the good shepherd on John, in John 10. So John 6 is about the bread of life. John 10 on January the 3rd is about the Good Shepherd. And then on January 4th, he goes to John 14, which is a beautiful scripture. John 14, 6 to 14. And he talks about being the way, the truth, and the life. So if you just read those four days, you would have a very profound understanding of who Christ is. Again, 
This is a wonderful way to start the year. As I said, January 1st, January 2nd, January 3rd, January 4th, January 5th. And then on January 5th, you're looking at John 15, next chapter over. And he, now he's talking about being the true vine. He's talking about being, um, being in him. Um, Already you are clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Abide in me. I abide in you. Verse 4 of chapter 15. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. So a beautiful way, again, to start the year where Christ is the centerpiece to what you're doing. You are, in, you are grafted into him and you are drawing all your energy and all your nourishment and all your power and authority from Christ. Again, great way to start the year. So when you've got an Old Testament, New Testament, gospel, and you blend them all together, and you think about that from day to day and week to week, you see how it's that aggregate, it comes together, and you see what God is saying to you. It's very, very powerful, and I hope that you receive lots of um, uh, information, if I can use that term, or lots of knowledge from the Lord and understanding. Now, in Epiphany and Following, which is the second part, it's the second uh, week, I'm covering two weeks in one. We go back to John chapter 2, 1 through 11, which is about the wedding in Cana. The wedding in Cana. And in chapter 4, we are talking 446. Chapter 446, we have a healing. Now, there's not many healings in John's gospel, but he heals an official son, quite an extraordinary healing from Jesus. Not many in John, so he's very selective about choosing those. That's a beautiful reading on January the 8th. And January 9th, we are at John chapter 5. So the last couple of weeks, the last week of December, first couple of weeks of, John, uh, of, of January, you've got lots of scripture readings from the Gospel of John, so I hope you will enjoy those. The healing of the pool of the Sabbath, which is another healing, and a very interesting healing because this guy's not very excited about getting healed, and so he has some problems with Jesus uh, that's a very, quite a different uh, healing. And both of those are unique to John. And then we go uh, back to the beginning of John chapter 6, where Jesus feeds the 5,000 at the beginning of John chapter 6. And we find that reading on January the 10th, followed by him walking on water. Remember, you've heard uh, many people talk about Jesus walking on water. Well, there it is in John chapter 6, 16 to 21. So he's showing that he can heal people. He's showing that he can uh, overcome the powers of nature. He can feed 5,000, which is really 20,000 people if you count women and children. He was just counting the men. And then these spiritual things that he says were quite amazing. So he was a healer. He was prophetic. He was a person that spoke with great authority and great power and great teaching. And then he uh, extends this understanding of the bread of life in chapter 6, verses 15 to 27, and talks about its significance. Again, John is one of those very spiritually deep books of the Gospels, very different from Matthew, Mark, and Luke. We call those synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John being the fourth Gospel and being really the one that was the closest to Jesus of the 12 apostles. He has much more depth to his, uh, to his Gospel. Uh, in fact, if you ask me, Father Reed, what is your favorite book of the 66 books of the Bible? My favorite is John. That's my favorite book of the Bible. If I could only have one book, that's the one I would choose. And then finally, we end in John chapter 9 with the healing of the man born blind. Now, this is an astonishing miracle where we're looking at a person that is born blind 
and is healed by Jesus, but the people in charge aren't too excited about all of that. But if you read the whole chapter, which is not listed in the lecture, but you might want to, we have the healing of the man born blind. And I close by looking at verses 35 to 38. Jesus heard that they had cast him out and having found him, he said, do you believe in the son of man? Another title of Jesus. He answered, and who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? He's speaking to the man born blind who has now been healed. Jesus said to him, you have seen him, and is he speaking to you? Now, before, of course, he couldn't see him, but now he can see because he's been healed miraculously by Jesus. Verse 38, he said, Lord, I believe, and he worshiped him. So he believed on the spot. Jesus said, for judgment I came into the world that those who do not see may see, and those who see may become blind. Now, some of the Pharisees heard, them, heard him saying these things and said to him, are we also blind? Verse 40, verse 41. Jesus said, if you were blind, you would have no guilt, which basically means if you recognize that you can't do anything, that you are hopelessly lost and in darkness, there would be hope for you because you would recognize your need for a savior. But now that you say we see, your guilt remains. If you say, I, I know what's going on. I don't need a savior. I don't need to be healed. I don't need to be I don't need any revelation. I don't need any knowledge. I, I can do this on my own. I don't need you, Christ. I don't need you, Jesus. Then that person's guilt remains. Now, one quick aside. What happens in your relationship with Christ is you want him to take away the guilt. Because, you, because we're sinners, we, we amass guilt. And if that guilt is not taken away, it's very destructive. So, I hope, again, you have a beautiful beginning of the new year, 2021. This is a great way to start the new year, the first couple of weeks of January, with the Word of God. Enjoy it, and next week we'll begin with the baptism of Jesus Christ. God bless you all.